So without further ado, Zeneca, welcome to The Ordinal Show. How's your day going? Hello, my day's going great. Thanks for having me here. Like super excited to be here and uh, talk all things Ordinals and whatever with you all. Love it. I want to pick your brain because you are like a unique mind that can give like a very interesting perspective here. Like I would say this is pretty accurate. You are, you know, the most reasonable normal like <laughs> trusted voice in the space i guess would be like the persona that zeneca is in the space and would just love to hear your perspective obviously deeply involved with nfts over on ethereum zen academy is pioneering like education over there and basically creating a sanctuary from maybe some of the more like toxic stuff in the space like you, I definitely look at you as like a reasonable voice when you're on like overpriced JPEGs. It's, you have good takes. I think you did some writing on ordinals maybe a few months ago, but I don't think anybody's actually ever like really picked your brain on what you think about everything that's been happening over here on Bitcoin. So I don't know if you're down for it, but I would love to just like rapid fire you. Let's do it. For the next 20 minutes here. Okay. So from your perspective, we have this kind of new primitive of ordinal inscriptions on Bitcoin, which is like our NFTs. And then you have obviously ERC-721, ERC-1155 on Ethereum. From your perspective, like what are we doing well and what are we not doing well compared to how basically NFT culture on Ethereum is just much more mature. Primitives are more mature. The tooling is much more mature. The culture in general is more mature. What can we work on and what is one thing you think we're doing good? Yeah, I think that the thing that I love the most is the genuine desire to innovate, experiment, build, create, and just navigate this new ecosystem. I think I, wa- I wasn't really around slash involved in 2017 to 2020 Ethereum NFTs. I was around a little bit. I saw CryptoKitties, but the people that were there and building Dapper Labs and who created the ERC-721 standard and really just laid the foundation for all of this and, and a lot of the marketplaces, it was a very different time. It wasn't all about pump the floor and make tons of money and all this. It was like people who had like a deep conviction in the technology. And you have to have that to stick around through that long of a bear market when no one else in the world believes in you. And I think that's the, the most exciting and cool part that I can see with ordinals is that there is a, I, I don't know if it's small, but it's like the core contributors, the passion of the diehard, the believers who've been there since day one on the early days and, and more people joining on the, along the way don't care or uh, lean as much into the ponzonomics and the, the hype marketing tactics that we've seen on ETH. Of course, there's a ton of people doing that in ordinals and that's like the less good stuff, but there's this core group that I think is really awesome to see. And you can just tell that like the vibes are good. People are helping each other out. It's not like competitive. It's very lift each other up. And that's something that we, I think like in the early days of ETH NFTs was there and we've lost that a little bit. And it's like a, just a function of when things get larger and, and more mainstream, you, you lose that magic. And it's still there with ordinals from what I can see, which is just awesome. Love that. So now I want to hear what is the dumbest thing we're doing (laughs) from your perspective. I'm sure you could come up with some things that we're not doing well. I would very much value some just constructive criticism. I would love to hear, are are we being obnoxious in any certain ways? It's very hard when you're just in a space 24-7, just 
tunnel vision, right? So I'd love to hear your perspective as just, I don't know, a respected voice in this broader NFT crypto art space. Yeah, I think that there are a lot of people trying to ascribe value to certain, and like just create narratives around like this thing should be valuable because we say it's valuable and this thing should be rare because we say it's, and I think that there is like some merit and foundation to like attributes and, and it's, it's really cool inscribing content or like tracking and, and finding a Satoshi that was in Hal Finney's wallet or from like block nine or this stuff is really cool. But I think that it blew up a little too much and like too much speculation was based on value to certain things because people wanted to build that up. And I think that was ETH mindset and scarcity, like coming into that where people are trying to make money. And I think the, the whole, like reading like what, what knowledge has done and like how he funnels money in and out of exchanges, that's really cool and interesting and like authentic and genuine. And that's the interesting stuff. And then the bandwagon of everyone that came after trying to like pump projects based on that stuff, I think is not as awesome, but that's, that'll come and go. The, I guess the other thing that sort of came to mind is, I see this from certain, I don't, literally can't remember a, a single name of people who are doing this, but like I see it not infrequently in conversations where people are talking shit about ETH NFTs because they're pinned to IPFS or, or something like that because they're not on chain. And I think that's like missing a whole part of the point because there's so much more to like ETH NFTs than where the image is stored, like there's utility and there's smart contracts and there's functionality. And it's that, yes, there's elements of centralization because all centralization is not bad. For some things, yes, it's bad. But for other things, it's actually a positive. And so like that sort of narrative that, oh, ETH NFTs aren't real NFTs. They're on IPFS. That's, it has to be on chain. It has to be on, like that sort of mentality, I think, is a little damaging to the overall narrative and, and probably is counterintuitively making people less likely to want to come onto ordinals rather than if it was a little more. Yeah, it's cool for like certain use cases and, and a little more balanced approach, I think would probably be better for all. I very much will second that. I, I think there's two ways that you can frame things. You could frame it as us versus them. Theirs is garbage. Ours is the right way. Or you could basically just talk about the different trade-offs because essentially what's happening here is these are different primitives and different blockchains each of these protocols are making just different trade-offs, right? And there's pros and cons to each of these. And I think, yeah, it's for whatever reason, it's just easy to boil things down to us good, them bad on Twitter and not dig into the fact that ultimately I think Ethereum and general purpose blockchains are going to have really interesting use cases and advantages that you can't do. And what Bitcoin is really good at is just taking this really simple object that you don't want to change, you don't want anyone messing with it, and just storing value with that thing basically making art that is the the like art version of BTC, the currency, just strong store of value doesn't change. That is what we do very well. And then all of the like crazy experiments around like wild mint structures, reading NFTs together to create new ones. That's not going to be our strength, right? That is all of that experimentation is going to happen when you have smart contracts. So very much agree. I think it's important to have people like yourself who are able to have the kind of nuanced conversation and replies instead of just the kind of flashy, ours is good, theirs is bad uh, narrative, which uh, fits really nicely into 280 characters, but is not even remotely encompassing the kind of situation and why these protocols made different trade-offs, right? Okay, that was a really good overview there. I want to just pick your brain on, uh, I'm just going to rapid fire some things for you really quick. I want you to tell me if you think it's overrated or underrated, okay? All right, let's do it. Low inscription numbers. Oh, that's tough. I think a little overrated. 
Okay, recursion. Underrated. Cursed inscriptions. Overrated. Um, Pizza sats. Overrated. (laughs) (laughs) Very Um, overrated. (laughs) I'm sorry. um, (laughs) They're cool, but... What about uncommon sats, then? Appropriately rated? I think they're, like, yeah, maybe slightly overrated. Metaverse. Oh, underrated, I think, is a concept. Bitmaps. Uh, that's a tough one. I think a little overrated. I know a bit about them. I think it's a cool concept. I just want to see more of what can actually be done with it, but slightly overrated. Counterparty. Underrated. How about this? What are the top three underrated things in this space? I think recursion is like still not, it's just like, I think a lot of people don't get it yet and how incredible it is i think just the ability to have on-chain art on bitcoin i think that's still underrated those are like the two big ones to me and just i guess how it's it's like a cop-out to say how early things still are but there's still a lot of friction and that is a sign of how early we are and i think a lot of people are still not appreciative of that fact and it's uh, there's going to be many more ebbs and flows and cycles of attention and hype and people come in and drop hype projects and then like where the attention disappears and it's like just the true hardcore people sticking around and whether it's in six months, a year, two years, five years, that's when we'll, there'll probably be like a big swell of attention when people be like, oh, you know what? This is really cool. And now it's like really easy to use. And I think that like the people that are here now paying attention is that's, this is like where the real building and, and meaningful stuff happens. What about BRC20s? I think a little overrated. So we're going to have a conversation later tonight about teleburning. I'm curious, have you looked into this at all? It's basically the idea of migrating an NFT from its origin chain, like Solana or Ethereum, and storing it on Bitcoin and essentially having, it's debatable. Provenance is a very unique thing. There is clearly obvious on-chain provenance. There's a smart contract on Ethereum. The NFT is minted. It gets transferred to a wallet. Like Ownership is very clear. Then there's like, people have done really weird stuff that's like purely social consensus. And then teleburning is like somewhere in between because there is some sort of on-chain provenance on both chains. Have you looked into that at all? Do you think it's stupid? Do you think it's interesting? Just this idea of Frank, he didn't call it teleburning, but basically teleburn from Solana to Ethereum and Solana to Polygon. People are now doing that with punks and apes to Bitcoin. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I don't think it's stupid. I think it's interesting. I think for some situations, it, it like it makes some sense, but I think probably like everything, like I'm sure people will butcher it and hype and try and scam people and make money out of it. But I think as a concept, it's definitely interesting. Okay, how about paying absurd amounts of money to inscribe very large files just because? At a certain point, so much of all of this is flex values, social signaling, to do something for the sake of doing it. It's cool to do it. And so I think it's like a, yeah, I, I think it's a cool flex in some ways and some people will find value in it. Doing it repeatedly without like intention or meaning behind it just for the sake of doing it, I think that's a bit silly. Nice. Did you take a shower earlier this year in a costume of a <laughs> I did not that's like in back in February whenever I think it was February when everyone was doing that I was like drowning in all sorts of other work and things and I was like I, I really wanted to pay it to I even told like my team and in in Zen Academy and Discord everyone to like, pay attention to ordinals because it's, it's the big thing that I, I see and then I probably spent like two three months dealing with other stuff till I could really dig in 
I didn't myself, but I really enjoyed watching a bunch of the videos. I had some friends do it, and it was really fun. So Taproot Visitor, it's overrated, underrated. What do you think? <laughs> For as hyped as it is, it's still got to be underrated. All right, you heard it here, guys. Yeah, so Zeneca, basically, we just ran through a bunch of different topics there. You have written educational content for people on Ethereum, like helping to get normal people onboarded to NFTs on Ethereum. You've written content targeted towards ETH people of like how to think about and understand what's happening on Bitcoin with NFTs on Bitcoin. How would you suggest that we could do better onboarding people and not just from the cultural welcoming thing that you mentioned? I, I totally agree. I don't think you'll find very many people who will disagree that if you can create a happy, positive environment that's mostly focused on like framing things in a supportive way is going to be ultimately attractive to like most people. But yeah, what lessons have you learned that we could steal from you as far as onboarding people to Bitcoin, getting people up to speed with fees instead of gas? There's a hundred things like this, right? Yeah, I think it's like a couple of things. One is just having really easily digestible guides and pieces of content that explains it in like really simple terms. I think there's a lot of people geniuses, like really smart people that aren't necessarily the best writers because what they think is simple is still way above the heads of other people. And so I think just making sure that, and there really are, there already are great resources, but just making sure that like whenever a new product or wallet or protocol or a thing comes out, or, or even for the basics, there's just a really simple and easy to understand guides that people can refer others to get them up to speed. But the more important part is, and this is something even applicable to ETH and just in general and onboarding. The goal of onboarding is not to onboard people. The goal of onboarding is to not have to onboard people. And that's by making the user experience and the software and the interfaces and the technology so simple and easy to use. It's like we need like iPhone moments where no one really needs to be onboarded to use any, like the internet or a website or an iPhone or a Mac or a lot, whatever. It's like after five minutes, you get it. And so that doesn't really exist too much in crypto at large at the moment. And that's one of the biggest issues, I think, as a, an entire industry. But I think over the next several years, that will be cracked. And just w having people work towards building that really simple. And like Xverse is a great example. Sure, it's not going to onboard people from the, the mainstream, but it, it's great for onboarding Ethereum users who are used to MetaMask. And like that kind of just making it simple for people to actually use is huge. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, Trevor. Yeah, Zen, what, in what ways do you think that the Ordinals community and maybe the metas and trading and things like that will follow maybe like the path of Ethereum? In what ways are they a parallel and a following? And in what ways do you think that it'll break away? And how are you thinking about the Ordinals market going forward? Yeah, that's a really good question and a tough one to answer. I think that the big difference is that when Ethereum NFTs the history of Ethereum entities, they didn't have something previous to really like reference and that was too close or similar to look back on. In the same way that Ordinals now, everyone is comparing it to ETH NFTs and looking at what's happened and like Solana and other chains as well. And so it's just going to be fundamentally different, I think. So it'll, it'll take just completely different paths and, and trajectories and things like that. I think for me, one of the things I've noticed and just has become more apparent as more time has gone on in the ETH space is that 
the vast majority of value, and a lot of people knew this for a long time, but a, a vast majority of the value and attention seems to tends to pull in like a very small percentage of projects. And sure, in 2021 and like parts of 2022, it was like the entire space pumped and boomed together and then crashed together. But as time goes on, we start to see there's a few handfuls of projects that tend to survive the storms and, and have longevity and things like squiggles and punks and autoglyphs and to an extent like board apes and some of the top PFP projects and certain like X copy and one of one art and things like that. But the vast majority of things are just like difficult to sustain attention and the value tends not to pull to them. I imagine we'll see something similar happen for ordinal NFTs where there's so many already out there now. And we all know that the long-term value will accrue to only a tiny percentage of that. But like of the collections that are already out now and the pieces, even the ones that may have like higher floor prices or a bunch of value, even then a lot of those I think won't survive. And it'll, I think if you are looking at it from a investment point of view and not financial advice or anything, of course, I, I think look at the projects that are have made like a cultural impact and aren't dependent on too much stuff to continue to have value. That that's one of the the things with if you look at all the, the most successful projects on ETH, only a couple of them have like teams with roadmaps that are executing on X, Y, and Z, and, and many of the the most valuable things are. are Again, bringing it back to digital artifacts and cultural artifacts and, and, and things that like were pivotal, again, like squiggles and autoglyphs and punks that, that just had that moment. And I, I think that sort of thing will repeat. I, I have no idea. And I don't think anyone truly knows what like the squiggles, punks, autoglyphs, et cetera, of ordinals will be. There's, people have their best guesses and there's a bunch of projects out there that can probably vie for those spots. But it, like history will only really tell. Yeah, the, the squiggles thing you just said made me think. I have been making this statement. <laughs> Maybe it's irresponsible to be saying this. Maybe I'm being way too optimistic. We are in the middle of a bear market here. I'm thinking like more long term, like when we do have an next bull run. I do think there will be projects that are created now on ordinals that will will look back in two years from now and people will look on it similarly to something that was launched before the hype came, like a chromie squiggle, like an autoglyph, right? And now that we have recursion that whole generative art space, which I think if these artists looked at Bitcoin, they would definitely have not taken us seriously two months ago. But because of the recursion upgrade, we can now do the provably random on-chain numbers, right? And then have random seeds for generative art and do on-chain reveals that are fully random, right? And we can also, people with Danny on stage has already inscribed a bunch of these packages that art blocks and other generative art artists like to use. It's just a bunch of code at the end of the day, right? To me, that is something like I'm very excited about. You underrated the idea of recursive inscriptions. You know, should collectors be looking for? I know you collect some generative art. What what is it the art? Like how do people analyze like everybody basically wants to know what's the next Chromie Squiggles, <laughs> right? There's a new paradigm. I do think we're going to see some interesting generative art here. How do people parse out? Because there's going to be a lot of projects how do people parse out like what is the quality, interesting generative art versus what is not? A lot of people here are really good at analyzing communities and PFPs and the cultural vibes. Generative art isn't exactly like that. I'd say it's actually completely different. So curious your kind of thoughts or advice to collectors now that we have generative art here. Yeah, one of the big differences, fundamental differences between, I guess, Chromie Squiggles and anything that can possibly be launched on Ordinals is that the atmosphere, the environment with which it's being launched into is fundamentally different. Where when Chromie Squiggles launched, 
there weren't hundreds or thousands of people looking for the next Chromie Squiggle. There weren't thousands of people trying to find a thing that's going to be a hundred X or a thousand X the same way that there is even now at this point where there's, there's not been like crazy mass adoption for ordinals, but there's been enough. And with just the fact that we're having this conversation and there's, I don't know, like a few hundred people, two, 300 people in the space listening and, and many more, I'm sure seeing in other spaces, like people are out there looking for it. That, that makes it very difficult for that organic thing to pop off. That doesn't mean it can't happen, but it, it will probably be something that people don't necessarily expect. And then like in terms of generative art, in general, what I look for and what I would be looking for and am looking for. Again, like the comparison to ETH is like the reason generative art on Ethereum is so, to me, impactful, powerful, and, and something that I love is that it uses the blockchain. The actual, the output, the, the piece of art is not possible without the blockchain. It's created at the moment of Mint using the Mint, like part Minter, part artist, part code. It's all there and no one knows what the output is. And that to me is like, doing something fundamentally different than most other things. And so I would be looking at things that use the Bitcoin blockchain in a way that it hasn't been used before, as well as in a way that it's not possible to create that thing without the Bitcoin blockchain and specifically the Bitcoin blockchain, because if it's generative art on Bitcoin, that's largely created in the same way as generative art on Ethereum, I think it's still really cool that it's gen art on Bitcoin and I think it'll have value, but it won't necessarily to me have that chromie squiggle or autoglyph rather moment where this is the first time something really brand new has happened. And so I think that is, I have no idea what that is. Maybe history will look back and be like, that was recursion. Everyone's hanging on your word. Everybody <laughs> wants to know which, which of these metas do you endowed. We have so many of these. The collector mentality is very strong here, which I think is really great. And one result of that is people are just hyper-focused on these different like areas of just like weird nerdy stuff that I don't think these things necessarily go mainstream, but I think they are interesting for storing value and interesting for the collector I appreciate you just coming up here, sharing with us your, your thoughts. I think it's a very reasonable approach. It sounds like on that last one, you ultimately think people need to be looking for basically people who are innovating, right? Yeah. Snowfro is innovating in a massive way. And just basically no one was paying attention. I've gone back and read the whole first uh, thousand messages in that discord and just like, nobody's paying attention. Nobody cared. And... I think there probably is like really interesting stuff and it's unintuitive is the Mm -hmm. hard part. Like you said, nobody can really expect what it is. If you're expecting it, that's probably not it. But yeah, it's interesting advice. And just just one last thing on this point, because I've been thinking about it a little bit. It's an interesting thing to note. It doesn't necessarily mean that the future will be this way. But if we look back over a lot of these most successful and most valuable projects, the, the people that launched them didn't try and they didn't raise a lot of money. Like, Punks were free. Chromie squiggles were like $10 or something like that to mint at the time. There are a lot of the most valuable things were free or just put out there for the world, just an experiment. And then it took off. And again, like it's a totally different climate now. And, and like creators obviously put a lot of time and effort into create creating things and should be charging money for their things. But it's like a more difficult thing to reconcile and balance between. It's just diff, more difficult now. It's like a, more of a minefield because a lot of people are charging and sometimes the things that they're charging for probably aren't worth the amount that people are paying. Other times they probably are. And, and it's just, like, that's why it's a bit more of a minefield, but just 
it's just a weird thought where it's like maybe the next thing is some free thing that's been put out there that's sitting for a while. Again, this is if history is repeating and then it will blow up and take off and, and maybe it hasn't come out yet. Maybe it is already out there and no one's really looking at it. It's, it's just hard to know without hindsight. Love it. We, so we have BitGod on stage right now who has popularized this kind of, I would say our flag, our banner is just this color of orange. <laughs> it's basically in every project now. Do you think you would ever put a little orange in your profile picture? Do you, are you happy with your, actually, what is your background right now? It is a, a piece of Oplocks. It's an Ecumenopolis by Joshua Bagley. It's a, yeah, one of my favorite Oplocks collections. And I think purple has become so, such a big part of my brand that it's difficult for me yeah, to change it at this, this point. Is why I'm, this is why I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so it sounds like we're going to have trouble convincing you to switch to the, the orange group. I am also in the, the group, the cohort, such as yourself, where I have not. And I get bugs about it basically every hour. But I'm right there with you, dude. Anybody on stage right now want to ask Zeneca a question? Zeneca, feel free to also, if you just want to ask us any questions or have anything top of mind, feel free. But yeah, if you want to ask Zeneca a question, feel free to jump, jump in here, guys. Just like okay, back at you because... I spent, I would say, most of June pretty entrenched in the ordinal space and digging in. But the last couple of weeks, I've been, because we have our own like PFP, I've been working on that. I haven't been paying as much attention. Is there anything really cool or exciting that to you is coming out soon that I might have missed out on? Or what is exciting you the most about the next few months in the ordinal space? Yeah, it's a little bit old news. People know about it now, but I do think recursion is ultimately... Really cool. I just fundamentally think this is an unlock that people are going to do like really crazy, awesome, interesting things with. We saw this collection by an Anon. They spent like $300,000 on Uncommon Sats and just inscribed this like crazy generative art collection using recursion called Orbinals. It just showed up in the Explorers and they communicate with people through writing. Like instead of going to Twitter and like tweeting, they inscribe their messages on Common Sats. It's fun. But just, I don't know, I see things like this like every day and most of these things are now using recursion in some way. And I can't put my finger on exactly what it's going to be, what how exactly this plays out. But I just fundamentally, I think when you get a bunch of smart people experimenting and like basically enjoying playing with something and most of them are developers, you end up getting some like pretty wild innovation. It's not totally obvious like what exactly that innovation is other than just specifically generative art. I do think the idea of just different file types is, to me, like something people don't pay enough attention to, like far on stage right here, the artist of Taproot Wizards as well, by the way, he has inscribed like these 3D pieces of architecture that he created. And you can go to an explorer and access that inscription. And if you're on your iPhone, you can tap a little AR button and you can throw that 3D object into your front yard. And I just think it's really cool that we're storing like other file types onto Bitcoin, right? Like people are storing MP4s, songs, games, all of these things. And I haven't seen quite as much of that on other chains. It's mostly focused on just the JPEG. And I would say we have, there's an interesting culture here of experimenting with these different file types. I wrote a blog post, I did an interview a week ago and I inscribed a markdown file and just decided to exclusively release that onto Bitcoin. So I'm really excited about people experimenting with different file types using Bitcoin as basically a platform to store data, even if it's not the financialized NFT. Like I just inscribed that interview because I thought it'd be cool to have it on Bitcoin and then burnt the token to Satoshi's wallet. I think there's probably interesting stuff there that's just not financial at all. That is probably worth paying attention to just because I think there is value in being able to pay a one-time fee and store something in this 
extremely resilient database for a very long time. Billy. Yeah, I had a question for Zeneca. I recently put my collector's hat on and purchased a piece of work on foundation from this artist Bjorn. And I was really excited about it. And I was chatting with him and seeing if he was comfortable with me teleburning it and inscribing on Bitcoin forever, just having a harder link for the artwork. And he was totally on board. And most people thought it was very complex. I intended to do that sooner here i'll pin it up to the top but i think this week we're going to schedule a video call and i'm just going to show them how i would go about doing that inscribing the full artwork and going through that process but it's always got my mind thinking as coming from a one-of-one artist on super rare myself how do you think about one-of-ones on eth compared to bitcoin do you think bitcoin makes more sense for that kind of marketplace i understand it's hard to there's a lot of collections and projects and utility, and there's a bunch of stuff that Manifold offers with 1155s and things that you can't do without smart contract control, but a slow-moving marketplace where you're just inscribing a edition of one and people are buying it, but they're not really flipping it. Does that kind of make more sense to be on Bitcoin? And, and what are your thoughts there? Such a cool piece, by the way. I just saw it up there. That's awesome. I don't know if it makes more sense than Ethereum. Um, I think it's, at that point, it's probably like a preference thing, both for artists and collectors. I think it makes a lot of sense and probably a lot more sense than if you tried to do, like for us, like I was looking at, at ordinals for something that we could do at Zen Academy, but like our, our fundamental thing is we have a utility and a membership token and we want to interact with other apps and dap and just do all this stuff that smart contracts allow you to do whereas for one-of-one individual art i think you you just don't want or need a lot of that stuff now there's still cool apps built on ethereum that you can galleries to display your art i don't know specifically where how interoperable they are with for instance ordinals but i got to imagine that you could plug them in pretty easily. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it's not necessarily one is better than the other. I think it comes down to preference and both options make a lot of sense. I really do think that like the best use case to my mind for ordinals is as a place to store art. Like that to me is it's thinking of Bitcoin as a canvas and just a great immutable permanent store of this art that it lives on forever. So like, to me personally, it's super cool and exciting, but I'm sure, that, again, it's a preference thing for a lot of people. Yeah, and I will take the other side of that. Like, I don't have a, a massive NFT collection. I, I started experimenting with NFTs as a way to sell my artwork. I bought um, Bitcoin and ETH around the same time in 2015. So I really, I saw a need for decentralized applications um, but I will say to me personally, and like you said, it's, it's a preference. Like there's no doubt in my mind that having the artwork inscribed on Bitcoin is superior and that kind of works for me. But if you're comparing a chain that's like twice as large, arguably much more decentralized, more secure, and then the actual data being on chain in an immutable fashion. Yeah, I just wanted to proclaim that I think to me, that's just such a harder, more tangible link for me personally, because and it's anyone's guess what the future is going to bring. But 
I think I don't know where some of these other decentralized servers are going to be in five, ten, a hundred years, but I have a better idea where Bitcoin's going to be, and that's just where I are am putting value. So yeah, that's just the the alt take on that because I don't have as much invested, and I'm definitely ETH friendly, and I drop stuff on Super Rare, and I'll continue to release work. But yeah, most of my attention is on Ordinals. There's just a lot of implications with recursion and it's just been a fun, fun space and onboarding new artists that are excited about it. But I definitely think I'd be silly to own Bitcoin and not own ETH and vice versa. So I think it's just beneficial for the digital art space in general moving forward. Yeah, I totally agree. And and I think that's just one other thought is that there are people out there who just don't like Ethereum. And then there are people out there who don't like Bitcoin and, and just have a deeper fundamental aversion to one of the two chains. And now there's just, you get to pick which one you like the most. And I think that's, like you said, for digital art, it's just a, it's a net positive. So Zeneca, definitely would love for you to stick around if you want to as like our honorary guest for the show. Just really appreciate you coming on just basically giving that perspective that I think is just different than what you hear on this show normally. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast and appreciate you all. Awesome, dude. Have a great night. Peace.